Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education.
that was S.J. Tucker, Firebird's child, and we have uh, burned some sage and sprinkled some salt water around in the studio and gotten whatever tech gremlin was all up in the wires uh, appeased. So welcome again to All Acts of Love and Pleasure on Great Right Radio on Pagan's Tonight Radio Network. I am Dr. Susan. And I'm Michael Graywolf. And we get together on the first, third, and sometimes fifth Wednesday of the month here at All Acts of Love and Pleasure to talk about sex, sexuality, relationships, LGBTQ issues, and more, all from a pagan perspective. We're glad that you're making us part of your Wednesday night, and we hope that you'll be part of the show. You can call in in the U.S. at area code 347-308-8222. You can hang out in the chat room here at pagansTonight.com. You can drop us an email at actsofloveandpleasure at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at loveandpleasure, that's love, L-U-V, and pleasure, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash love, and that's love spelled the conventional way. So please, we would love to hear from you either during the show or after the show. We're going to have a great conversation with the fabulous Lisa Carmen of Sacred Sexy You tonight to talk to us about the power of the sacred slut, and Lisa will be joining us in a few minutes. So how was your week, Michael? This is one of those times we're broadcasting two weeks in a row. I know. Um, well, you, my week's been okay, <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, the whole you know getting back from PSG thing has been going good. Right. You know, de- decompressing from that. Um, but I did get a little bit of bad news on when was it Monday? Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned before, you know, just a couple times that one of I have a friend who's been battling cancer. Uh, he is one of my brothers in the ending path and uh, kind of got some news that he wasn't doing too well uh, early, early Monday morning. Um, uh, he had, they'd taken him to the ER and he'd had trouble breathing and whatnot. Uh, basically he was having complications from uh, when they did a biopsy because his cancer came back. He'd gone into treatment. They thought they got it, but it came back. And uh, the doctors were saying that it wasn't operable and terminal now. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah that's, that's rough news to get, especially at a distance. Yeah, he's all the way in California and I'm over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of our brothers are, are you know, going over there. Like one one already got there and he's been you know helping with you know some stuff and um, we have some more that are going to try to make it. Good, but, good. Uh, but his all his family, uh, his husband, his mom have been there by him, and uh, he's actually you know I me and my partner Jeff uh, got to uh, Skype with him uh, the other day. And Excellent. Other than not being able to talk and you know being in a hospital gown, is still same person, you know. Right. He's 
Still, you know, full of energy, surprisingly, but, you know, in pain a little bit, and he couldn't talk. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, the wonders of modern technology to help us make those connections. Mm-hmm. But, then yeah, that, I, yeah, that's been my week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's intense. So if there's, you know, anything that we can do to send you and your loved ones some, you know, energy and healing through all that, you know, please let us know what's the best mm-hmm. way to do that. You know, you're o- always you. in the uh, candles on my altar, but I know thank our, you, thank our you. listeners care too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... Well, there there will be some stuff coming up in the next few days. Uh, some people are working on some stuff that he doesn't know about, but I can say mm-hmm. I can say that here because I know he he's not listening to the show, <laughs> so he's not going to hear about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, All right. Well. But yeah. You know, uh, when 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 more information comes becomes available, I'll you know I'll let you know and maybe I'll post something to our Facebook group. Excellent, excellent. Because I I know but, you know our community of listeners yeah. goes far and wide. But what about you, Doctor Susan? How has it been for you this one week since our last show? <laughs> well, it's 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 been interesting. You know, I've been joking that I got to be a celebrity for a news cycle since mm-hmm. I was in the the weekly alternative newspaper, um, and, and that got mostly really really good response. Um, to my shock, the only place that I saw bad response was actually on a, a very prominent pagan organization's uh, Facebook page, um, and that was really interesting to see fellow pagans saying that they wish that they had burned feminists at the stake instead of witches and attacking my appearance. That was very strange. Um, yeah. <laughs> still kind of processing that how, that, how that happens. Uh, but on the whole, our yeah, the community um, was really supportive, and my larger Dallas community was super supportive, and it was kind of fun to, you know, be locally famous for a few <laughs> days. And now, you know, the, it's Wednesday, so the new edition of the observer has come out and, and a whole nother batch of people get to be local famous. Um, mm. So, you know, that was, that was kind of a, kind of a head trip to uh, be working with that and seeing the article get picked up in all these places and get retweeted and, and everything. And I've, I've actually met some really cool people uh, through that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, made some really good connections with other people that are doing the work that I'm doing within feminist craft, especially around um, inclusion and challenging some of the, uh, especially some of the transphobic and non-inclusive ideas that you sometimes see. Um, so it's really nice to know that I'm not out there fighting that fight all alone, but that there are people doing really cool work all over the country and, in fact, all over the world to kind of make sure that this tradition stays living. Um, it's really neat. Um, and I've been, you know, doing a little bit more writing, and you know, we, we had a holiday uh, here in the U.S., mm-hmm. so I had a, a four-day weekend. So that was also very, very nice. I thought I was going to be very productive, but in fact, I was the opposite of productive. Although I did have a <laughs> lovely new moon ritual with my little private circle that I practice with. Um, on, I guess we did it on Sunday night. We did kind of a mid-year review because we hadn't been able to get together for solstice and 
we did our birth charts and had our person who is really our knowledgeable astrology person uh, interpret our charts for us and just really nice space with these other mm. four women that I practice with and, and much needed after really a lot of go, go, go uh, to yeah. sit and, and be still for a little bit. And, you know, now we're, we were talking in the green room, you know, working on uh, finding new location for my women's saloon circle because we've out, outgrown the shop space that we were using, which is a lovely problem to have. And, just kind of in a in a period of a lot of growth and wishing there were more hours in the day because I'm in creative mode at the moment. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, must unfortunately bend to the will of linear time <laughs> and uh, kind of do what I do what I can. Uh, getting some great guests booked for the show. We've got next week uh, PSG wrap up part two and. Lee Harrington yeah. is going to be coming on in a few weeks to talk about Woo! his new book, Traversing Gender, and um, I'm going to be reviewing a new book on uh, feminist paganism called Jailbreaking the Goddess, uh, which is right in line with you know the work that I'm doing, and that author, Lasara Firefox Allen, working on getting her on the show. So it's it's been an exciting time, it's, you know. Summer is mm. all about pushing it forward, so it's it's super exciting. Um, but you know, enough time to have some downtime in the pool with the beer too. So it all kind yeah. of evens out. <laughs> is there <laughs> anything going on in your local community, or is it is it all quiet until Lamas? Uh, I was actually looking at my calendar just a few minutes ago because I got uh, pinged by uh, someone I met at PSG who was wondering if. Um, Jeff and I were going to, um, what's it called, the Central Illinois Pagan Pride Day in October. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't, ha I did not have that one on my calendar. I have, I have the um, Greater Chicago Land Pagan Pride in September on my calendar, and even St. Louis Pagan Pride in October, but I didn't have Central Illinois Pagan Pride. <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, and then, and then you're going to be in Texas in October too. Yes, yes. Uh, well, you know, still waiting to hear. Like, I don't think they've released any of the info yet for Samhain. So, right. You know, waiting to hear on that. And oh, and then there might some something else might be going on that month, and I'll I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's I I know I'm looking already ahead to uh fall festivals and fall retreats and all that good stuff and try not to wish the time away, but uh it's yeah. definitely it feels like the first half of the year goes so slowly and then the second half all of a sudden here we are and the we you know, the wheel is already turned. We're into the, the waning half of the year, so I I know. Oh my god, like next week um jeff and i go into our back to school schedule oh. we start going in at, at 2 a.m gross yeah for gross. the for the month for, for the rest of the month and most of august we'll be going in at 2 a.m no thank you no yeah. thank you i go i go into work i get up at like 4 45 and that's that's early enough for me although we've already got you know i um those of you who don't know, I work at a university, and all the 
freshman orientation, or, or sorry, not freshmen anymore, they're first year students, first year student orientation groups are all over campus. So it's hard to believe we're already thinking about that, but it's, uh, it is that, that time, um, you know, and it looks like fall is going to be incredibly sort of fertile and exciting for, for a yeah. lot of organizations. And um, there's all kinds of, of good and exciting stuff. Some of which is uh, hosted and facilitated by our guest this evening. So I'm going to go ahead and Ooh. bring her in. She's a amazing person and a good friend of mine. Tonight we have with us, uh, live from the Big D from Dallas, Texas, we have Lisa Carmen with us. Lisa is a soul provocateur, a professional instigator, a devout sensualist, a writer, a life coach, a creator, and a lover of life. She's been creating workshops and events for women in Dallas for 16 years. She is the creator of Sacred Sexy You and the Burlesque Experience and I, Dr. Susan M., a graduate of the Burlesque Experience and cannot recommend it enough. She also created the Truth or Dare Club and many other programs. She's the author of Truth or Dare Living, Wild Adventures for Your Sacred Sexy Soul, which I highly recommend. And you can learn more about Lisa and her work at Sacred Sexy U, that's Sacred Sexy, then the letter U, dot com. So welcome to the show, Lisa. It's so nice to have you with us. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Michael, for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yes, I am too. I'm so, so excited. I think we're just going to jump right in because <laughs> I've had so many people it. tweeting me all day, right? Uh, so I got really captivated and I just had to have you on the show when I saw that you hosted a women's power circle about the power of the sacred slut here recently. So what is the sacred slut? What can you tell us about that archetype or that concept? I made up that term about two minutes probably before you read it. (laughs) And uh, it, well, you know, it was one of those things that just got downloaded. I wanted to, you know, for a long time, I mean, the, even the, the name of my practice, sacred sexy you for a long time, my work personally and my work uh, professionally has been about healing the, the rift between what we consider sacred, holy, divine, and what we consider sexy, sexual, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started thinking about, you know, the sacred slut and what that meant, first of all, I, I put it together. You know, slut, the word slut is such a charged word for women. Yeah. We think that actually the origins of the word, it used to be used for dirty women. Like if a woman lived in the streets and was filthy, she was called a slut. So uh, somewhere along the line, it started transferring over to sexuality. If a woman likes sex, if a woman, you know, if you think back, uh, think back to your your childhood, probably around middle school, uh, might have been the first time you heard that word or sooner. Mm-hmm. Think of the first girl you knew who was called a slut. She probably did things with boys. You know, she probably, mm-hmm. or or maybe she uh, she made out before everybody else did. You know. Um, or she might have had boobs before everybody else did. You know, we we used to, I, not not we, but the you know the kids in in our school, I, I never did. <laughs> I swear I never did. I was never into that making fun of people, but because um, I was made fun of. <laughs> uh, you know, the the girl with the biggest boobs was a slut. You know, and she's you know poor little right. Leanne who's you know twelve years old and has boobs and. Um, 
you know, she, she's labeled with this word, you know. So we learned really early that it was a charged word. It was considered, you know, dirty. Words are powerful. But the cool thing is they're only as powerful as we make them, you know, as only as powerful as we want them to be. So when, when I came up with that term, I really wanted to reclaim the word, you know, in the same way that we can reclaim our bodies. We can reclaim mm-hmm. our sovereignty as sexual women, as sexual people. So I started creating in my imagination this new archetype called the sacred slut. And um, I thought of four traits of her. I don't know if you now is the time to, to share what, what I think would be the traits or if you want to talk about that later or what. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, so, and, and there might be more traits. These are just the four that have come to me so far. Uh, she's newly developed, but um, I, I think of the sacred slut as someone who uses her sexuality as a divine tool for expression, connection, and pleasure. Those, for me, are the three keys. Like the whole point of of, of utilizing and taking advantage of our sexuality is ex- either expression, connection, or pleasure, or you know, all of the above. And she questions any other motive. So that means, you know, um, do I have sex with this person so I can feel better about myself because I feel really shitty? You know, maybe that's maybe you might want to rethink that, you know, or or to get love or to or to feel wanted or to feel valuable, to feel worthy. Those things to change the way that you see yourself or, you know, um, there, there's so many other reasons that, that we have sex. But I think the, the sacred slut is using her sexuality for expression, connection and pleasure. And I also think that the sacred slut embraces every aspect of her past as essential aspects of who she is, you know, her fabric, her biography, a really interesting, uh, actually that power circle that you, was re- that you were just referring to, um, we, we went around the room, I love talking sexual biography, you know, we all have a sexual biography, you know, if we start mm-hmm. from the beginning of what, how we would tell that story, you know, all I have to do is say, tell us your sexual biography and every story is is just fascinating and riveting to me but she you know she doesn't uh she's not ashamed you know she is not uh ashamed that she has has you know these so-called mistakes in her past or uh painful experiences these are what shapes her this is her fabric this is who she is and this is what brings richness and fullness into her sexual biography and then the fourth trait is i think that she is faithful above all others to herself and to her body, and she refuses to betray herself. So that whatever that means, you know, um, that can mean a lot of different things. <laughs> no, I I I love that idea of you know because the so the way that the word slut gets thrown at at women is often in a sort of somebody who is not faithful in like her relationships and the idea that, that she's faithful mm-hmm. first and foremost to herself, I think is a really interesting way to subvert that too. So I, I love that. Uh, so you, you've already you know, touched on it a little bit, but why do you think it's so important, especially for women to reclaim the sacred slut? Well, I think um, we, we've learned a lot of, a lot of, Bad things along the way. We've we've gotten a lot of bad messages. We've learned a lot of lessons that were that are lies. Actually, you know, there, there's a lot of shit. Can I swear? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that's been handed to us that we've inherited that we've absorbed. Um, we learn to reject our bodies in many ways. You know, when we're when we're little baby girls born, 
Um, you know, our, our bodies are, you know, if we've got, you know, chubby little thighs, you know, they love our juicy thighs, or they, you know, we, they, our bodies are adored and celebrated. And then as we grow, we, we learn there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body. You know, it's wrong to feel these things. It's wrong to touch myself. I just got punished, you know, like um, all of these things that we learned that um, that cause us to reject our own bodies and our own sexuality in all different ways. And, and the same goes for, for males, too. Um, we we also learned, you know, so then we grow up and we hit puberty and we all of a sudden have the sexual power that we've never had before. And we learn to use it for manipulation. We learn to use it to get what we need or what we want. We don't know what the hell to do with it. Nobody tells us what to do with this. Um, you know, I need to feel loved. I need to feel better about myself. So I'm going to give my body to these, you know, to, to these characters that, uh, you know, that, that, I wouldn't, you know, uh, what's her name? Um, Gabrielle Roth, she wrote uh, Sweat Your Prayer. She's the creator of the Five Rhythms Dance Modality. In her book, she talks about, uh, I've, I've given my body to men I wouldn't even loan my car to. You know, yeah. <laughs> so this sort yeah. of thing where, you know, where we're, uh, this idea of being up for grabs for so many of us um, in order to feel worthy or to feel like we matter. So we relinquish our power in a lot of ways. We learn that our sexuality is dangerous. We divorce our bodies from our souls. So I think it's super critical, you know, if we want to live the fullest, richest life that, that we are here to live, we've got to reunite those two. You know, they, they, they're meant to be in perfect union. There's nothing oppositional about them. Mm-hmm. 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 What are some ways that... Um, people can begin to reclaim the sacred sluts? Well, number one, self-pleasure is a huge connection to our divine sexuality. I am a big, big believer, (laughs) a big advocate for self-pleasure. But one of the little jokes that I love is, you know, when people say, you know, some like in in church we were told that that was wrong. In my church, and and I'd love to tell you more about this in a minute, I grew up in a church, a Christian church, and uh, from the time 13 to 18, you know, pivotal sexual development years where Mm -hmm, they really mm -hmm. jacked jacked Mm -hmm. me up. (laughs) You know, they jacked up my thinking about what sexuality was. It was a sin to masturbate in my church, not not in the church, but anywhere you were. <laughs> um, <laughs> they probably did totally frowned upon the masturbating in a church too. But I mean, in my church community, it was considered sinful to, to touch yourself, you know? So um, then we, so it's a little joke that I love is if God didn't mean for us to masturbate, our arms would be shorter. <laughs> right? well, I just you know, have an image of that T-Rex. Right. They're the perfect oh, length. <laughs> yeah, he said poor T Rex. <laughs> we know why why <laughs> it was our life. <laughs> so yes, I'm a big believer in that. I'm also a big believer in just simple sensuality practices and rituals, you know, being in your body. Um I, I recommend that you that we we all dedicate ourselves to bo- positive body image. Um, there is a direct and profound connection to body cri- criticism, which is very common, especially among women, and your ability to experience pleasure, orgasm, sensuality, like all of those things. So the more you enjoy being in your body, the more pleasure, orgasms, sensuality you can experience, and the more critical you are about your body and the more you know, the more difficulty you have 
enjoying your body or accepting your body, the less access you have to those things. So that relationship is critical. You know, but we kind of even separate that the way I feel about my body. It has nothing to do with my sex life. Bullshit. It has everything to right. do with my sex life and how much pleasure I'm going to be able to receive, you know. So um, so I, I highly urge women to work on that, you know, dedicate themselves to the practice of having a po- positive body image. It doesn't, it's not an overnight thing. It's a lifetime journey. It's something I have to work on daily. Um, and, you know, I, it's something that, that creeps in, you know, when we're not expecting it. And uh, it's something that we kind of have to be vigilant about, really, just being accepting and kind and loving for ourselves and our, and our body image. I think that's, that's huge. Um, another thing that I would recommend for reclaiming that aspect of our sacred sexuality is I think it's really cool and really important to that we stretch our and push our erotic edges whenever we have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I when I talk about erotic edges, what I mean is uh, what you can think of as like the intersection of your desires and your comfort. So, you know, like we might like a certain thing or, you know, a certain kind of thing turns us on. But then we hit that little wall, you know, like, mm, not really going to go past that. Oh, I don't I don't know about that. I'm scared or, you know, that makes me feel uncomfortable. The more we can stretch that and push past that, the more access we have to like the juiciest, you know, deepest parts of, of our sexual, you know, fullness. For sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm thinking as you're talking about pushing those edges, you know, working especially uh, in this part of the country um, where, you know, there's such strong fundamentalist Christianity uh, and its Mm -hmm. views about sexuality and and sort of how people come. um, I know I see this in sort of pagan um, settings where the mores around sexuality and, and nudity and, and all that good stuff are, are very different than they are sort of walking the streets of Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. that there's so much unpacking that we have mm-hmm. to do before mm, we yeah. start to thinking about getting to the juicy stuff. I love um, that. I unpacking, yeah, sort of, totally. It's, it's just like, oh, my gosh, the baggage, right? It's like I, I joke that yes. I took more baggage to my first clothing optional festival. Um, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And it, and it, it sounds like in, in your coaching work and in and your power circles that part of what you're doing is, is helping unpack this. So I guess I've, I'm curious about, you know, you alluded to your own sort of church upbringing and how that has influenced this quest for you and how you navigate this, the culture here in Texas around sexuality and spirituality mm-hmm. as you work on this both for yourself and, and with the, the women you work with. Yes, I guess how I navigate it is with grace and boldness. <laughs> a certain <laughs> amount of boldness is definitely required, you know, and um, mm-hmm. and if certain people are attracted to my work and certain people aren't, and that's okay. There's a, enough room for everybody. But, um, right. you know, when, when I think of sacred sexuality, you know, I like to think that, you know, as I think look and see what's out there in the world and what people are studying, my definition, I think, is, is different than what a lot of people might expect. You know, I, it's not un- uncommon to associate sexual, sacred sexuality practices and studies in kundalini or tantra or kama sutra or sex magic or you know those types of things Um, and i'm all for that you know learning those methodologies is only going to you know increase your toolbox for pleasure and and uh you know embodiment and all that great stuff but i think there's some danger there you know because um what i think it can polarize us 
in the same very similar ways that that the church can you know in terms mm-hmm. of uh judging and categorizing our practices and our desires and our turn-ons as if these are holy and these are not these are divine mm-hmm. and this you know favored by god and these practices are good these are bad you know the the thing with these practices is as valuable as they are we made them up you know they're all made up so we're wired for pleasure we're designed as sexual beings period you know that's that's sacred to me so i think of a really big picture when i think of sacred sexuality there's nothing dirty about being sexual people you know with desires there's nothing dirty about wanting to be seen or wanting to be wanted it, you know it's not just these holier brands of sex that we think of you know when we think of tantra or you know coming right. that kind of stuff I'm, you know the, the clandestine backseat blowjob can be holy in its own way you know like the the uh, laundry room you know first between a busy wife and, and her husband why why isn't that considered sacred you know why can't it be you know we're making this all up why why can't we decide what's sacred and you know i think it all is i think the totality of it all is what makes it divine everything yes <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think that that's such a good point that you make about you know, when we get into sort of these codified systems of, you know, sacred sexuality with a, you know, with a capital S, right? You know, right. it becomes that like, oh well, this thing that you do, well, you're sort of burning the incense and all that. That's that's sacred. But if you, you know, go out to a a club with, you know, your partner or maybe meet somebody out at the club for that matter, and you come home and want to mm-hmm. just have like a low down dirty fuck, like that's not not sacred. <laughs> Yes, but exactly. no, like it can all be sacred, right? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's, some, that's something they that. taught on church. Yeah, thank you. I think I love it too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I you know I grew up like I said um, when I was 13 years old. We found uh, we found Christianity, and it was a very fundamentalist uh, brand of of Christianity along the lines of Pentecostal, which you know is full of rules and full of don'ts. And I got I, I got it, you know, drilled into me that my sexuality was sinful. And that was, uh, you know, they called it in church, they call it in the flesh. You're either right with God or you're in the flesh. So there was no way to be in my body and be right with God at the same time. There was no way, it was, it was impossible to enjoy my body and be right with God at the same time. So me being 13, 14, 15 years old, anytime I wanted to get it on, you know, or, you know, make out with a boy, I had to leave God. You know, I had to backslide. Mm-hmm. And then I would oh. repent. And I would feel filthy and dirty. And I'd fall at the altar crying and sobbing, begging for God's forgiveness to be in God's grace again. And then I'd get horny, <laughs> you know, and then I'd go <laughs> sin again, you know. Like it was, this, you know, I mean, it's tough being a teenager with, with these messages. You know, my body, is, you know, my yeah. hormones are doing things that I'd never experienced before. And I, I was uh, I, I was lusty. And in my church, that is bad, bad, bad. You know, you, you yeah. I mean, they would punish people for that, you know. So um, so I learned, I learned to break that into two distinct parts of me, you know. And so I left the church. And uh, left, you know, for a while I left spirituality, but, you know, I started kind of redesigning a, a brand of, of spirituality that works for me. I got to redefine my God and what I want to think of as God. And, um, you know, my God is way bigger than, than a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, why am I still feeling guilty about 
you know, having these sexual experiences. You know, I don't really believe in that anymore. It was so uh, subversive. It was like woven into my threads, you know, like or woven into my tapestry with like threads, you know. So I had to like individually yeah. pick, pull out these threads, which I'm still pulling out now and then. You know, they still show up. Like, why am I feeling like this is bad? You know, why do I feel like I'm being punished by God? You know, this is silly. Um, it's not what I want to believe. Right, right. And it, those messages are so insidious. Yep. Um, there's a book that I used uh, in a couple of my women's studies classes uh, called Fast Girls, and it's about sort of the myth of the slut and mm-hmm. the way that the girls get tagged with this. And what was so interesting is sort of like the the, the author, she's a sociologist, she tracked sort of the stories that people tell about that girl that's slutty, you know, and mm-hmm. all over the country they were the same stories, like the girl who did the whole football team, you know, uh-huh. or the the girl is the first one to get boobs. Well, everybody knows that means that she's now, you know, letting everybody feel her up, right? Right. And and it had probably no connection to what any of these girls were doing out there in their life. Or if it did, it was kind of, people didn't really know whether, you know, the slutty girl did that thing or not, but people were willing to believe that because that's a narrative that's out there. And once you're tagged with that label, if you don't find a way to reclaim it, I mean, it can be really, really devastating. It's a, you know, it's very damaging. Yeah. Um, you know and I think that that if if a girl you know if there's somebody listening now that did do the whole football team is there a way you can forgive yourself is there a way that you can transmute that into into your gold you know um it doesn't you know you don't have to be like I've football team and I'm proud you know whatever whatever feels right to you if you are proud then be proud but um but I I think that there's there's always information there's always a lesson there's always not you know wisdom to be to be um extracted from even our worst you know choices you know right if if, uh if you know if um she did you know if, if somebody did do the whole football team you know what was what was her heart really wanting? You know what was her right. what what you know that poor thing? You know that she was so needing of a validation. You know, and how can she give that to herself now? Just you know, head on. You know, instead of needing to be validated through other people. You know, so there's a way. There's always a way to transmute or to own our experiences to forgive ourselves. You know, I heard a really cool thing about um, shame that totally. In, in like one second, changed the way I think about shame. Uh, it was a, an author, I don't even remember her name, she was talking on a podcast, but she said that only decent people feel shame. You know, so, hmm. if, so if you do feel shame, that's a good thing, you know, because if you never felt it, you know, you might want to check yourself, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it can be destructive, you know, if you, if you let it around too much. But you, when you learn from it, when you extract what, you know, the juice from it, the gifts from it, you know, you don't, you don't have to let it define you. You know, I like, I like thinking that we can own our stories or they own us, you know. Right. You know, what is so interesting, and I, I, I taught classes in sociology of uh, sex and sexuality for years, and, you know, when we start to sort of pull this, uh, the the slut archetype, the way it's used in in the culture, where it's not been mm-hmm. made sacred, 
um, we start to pull it apart. One, there really isn't a uh, an analogous one for men and male identified people. Right. And, yeah. you know, I always love when I ask, you know, my students I'm like, okay, what is, you know, what's, what's a slut? And they say, well, it's a woman who's had a lot of sex. All right. Well, what's a lot? And they, right. nobody can ever agree on what a oh, lot is. It's, a, it's so and relative. I'm like, you might, might, my favorite things that I learned from one of my mentors in the study of sexuality is that, you know, uh, Somebody who's promiscuous is somebody who's having more sex than you. That's, that's yeah. you know, somebody who's slutty is somebody Absolutely. who's having more sex than you. Right. Just like what yeah. are big feet, you know? Like I might think big feet are a size 10. Yeah. If you have size 10, you think there's, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all relative to our own perceptions and experience. It's so true. It's, it makes such a difference, and, you know, you get into, you know, things like class and region, and, you know, so it becomes like we treat it like this absolute, this thing that you don't want to be, but there are no guidelines. Right. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. well, this just this archetype. So I love this idea of just let's let's just claim it back in holy again. Uh, Why not? And yeah. how we start to take that on. So in, in your larger work, Sacred Sex to You, I love it. The the sort of tagline on the website uh, invites you to say yes to a more sacred and sexier life. So uh, tell us sort of about that. Oh, gosh. I it, It's an umbrella, basically. I, I, I guess the best way to organize it is in the, in the umbrella visual. And underneath that umbrella are all the different things that I, I get to create. You know, I'm so lucky and so blessed by this work that I get to create programs. I just make them up, you know, like, oh, I want to start a Truth or Dare club. I wonder if anybody would join, you know, and um, just to get – creative and take chances basically i think that i think within all all of us everybody has this innate magnificence and power and beauty and radiance i also think that there's a show you know showgirl in every woman so you know the the burlesque experience is something that's we can call it a showgirl or your inner light or whatever you want to call it but we all have we all have so much to offer you know one of my i know that one of the reasons that i'm here is to help draw that out of people you know, to help people access what's already inside of them, you know, that, that they have they have that in them, you know, they just don't necessarily know how to get to it, you know. So I I create programs and uh, private coaching uh, to, to support people in accessing their, their light, their power, their magnificence, and it's super fun. <laughs> no, I, I can give an endorsement having participated in a number of programs. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, and I, I, yeah. I'm actually in the midst of writing about the fact that I think about burlesque as part of my priestess work. You know, it's something that, that's uh-huh. really sort of sacred to me. Um, I would love to hear how you see that connection. Uh, can, can I ask you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love it's, to hear more about that. Yeah, tell me more about that. You know, it's, it's something that I'm still kind of teasing out. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like it is uh, – it is my priestess work because partially because every time I have performed, I have women that come up to me afterwards and tell me how empowered they feel having seen me perform. Mm, and yes, I kind of love yes. that. And it was for me, you know, the time that I went through uh, my classes and, and started doing burlesque was the end of kind of a seven year cycle in which I had, had left a marriage and had completely blown up my life and, you know, look, 
like about halfway through it, it occurred to me that it was basically like an underworld journey. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I really mm-hmm. resonate with the journey of Madonna mm-hmm. through the underworld yeah. and that you have the darkness and, um, and when Inanna does this this underworld journey at each gate of the underworld, she has to relinquish an item that she's wearing, and so that she is naked when she gets to this moment of enlightenment. So it's this it's this sacred striptease that she does. And <laughs> as I was sort of working with, you know, getting ready to do my bust wow. out, I really could feel that that this was this thing um, that to finally sort of be. Well, legally not naked because undies and pasties, but you know, right, right. as naked as you can be legally, naked yes. as you can be, um, in front of all these people, um, as as somebody who is a larger woman and who is not conventionally attractive, not the kind of person that people would think of would get, you know, but people would pay money to buy tickets to watch me take my clothes off, right? Um, but I I did this in this big way, and so it was this yeah. sort of final emergence out of out of this underworld and I'm right. still, I'm still wow. pulling all my feelings apart about uh-huh. that. But um, we had Anne key on the show a few months ago um, who was the priestess of Sekhmet at, at her temple out in Nevada for a while. And now she's in Albuquerque and she's a burlesque performer as well. She performs as Annie O'Rourke mm-hmm. um, and she is a goddess priestess as, as well. Mm. And she came to burlesque in her forties um, and so, and she also has, she actually has a routine that she's built that she only does in a ritual space around Inanna and the sacred striptease. Oh, wow. And so there's, it's amazing. We want to make it into a duet eventually if I can get to Albuquerque. <laughs> cool. Did she write a book? She did. Uh, she wrote um, Yoga, Burlesque. Yeah, Burlesque, Yoga, Sex, and Love. Yes. Okay, good. Cool. I, I she even read that. I've been trying to... Oh, how awesome! It's, yeah, I need to check that so out. Good. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of of uh, burlesque as access to the priestess or an expression of the priestess. You know, I've, I've long felt that um, you know I've seen I've seen the connection between the goddess. You know, and I, I like thinking that there's a new goddess archetype, and she wears fishnets and glitter and feathers. Yes, you know, yes. um, you know she's a she's an archetype for our time now, and she's been around. You know, and I mean the, this archetype is has uh, been shifting this burlesque archetype, this, you know, this new goddess. But uh, I love the idea of priestess. It's medicine, you know, and it, it's really work. If if we want it to be, if we want it to mean that, it doesn't have to mean anything that, you know, unless we want it to. Um, I find that really fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I, I joke that I am high uh-huh. priestess of the pasties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Yes. You know, that's really cool. Uh, you know, it's, oh, fun. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It is, you know, and when I when I see women at this point, we've take we've brought uh, two hundred, I think two hundred and forty women to the burlesque experience over the course of five years and twenty two seasons, and um, what what I think is really cool about it is the the power that women feel when they perform yes. burlesque, you know, and I think if there if I if I could if there was a common thread between or a common thread weaving us, you know, in terms of what keeps us keeps us small mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a fear of our power because mm-hmm. women especially you know we 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 think that power there's some misconceptions about power we think that power means about being over someone else you know right. um, 
And then we get to learn that it's not about power over anyone. It's about power in yourself, you know, the power that you possess, you know, and, and when you, when you expand into your own fullness, you know, you get to be fully powerful in that four minutes on stage, you know, just owning it, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a different kind of power, you know, and I, and it's just it's one of my favorite parts of, of the experience of seeing women that come in very uncertain of their power and maybe not even claiming any power in the world as their own, you know, and then over the, you know, six weeks and, you know, six weeks is over, they're up on stage uh, in their powerful radiance performing, you know, um, sharing with us in, in such a powerful way. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, it's the uh, willingness to sort of take up space is something yes. that I watch. You know that people oh, yeah. go through. Oh, I love that. Yes, things. taking up space for, for sure. And you know, so big. Yeah, and there, and plus there's a there's a dichotomy there too, though, because you know, dancing and getting naked are two very vulnerable things. You know, Brene Brown in uh, one of her books I just finished talks about how you know in all her uh, surveys and and uh, interviews that she's done with people that that people find that dancing and getting naked are the two most vulnerable things that they could possibly mm-hmm. think of doing. And so we put them together and call it the burlesque experience. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, so at, at the same time, you're claiming this power, but you're also putting yourself in a very vulnerable position, um, you, you know, offering yourself, you know, to, to be taken in, to be seen, you know, like you said, yeah. taking up your space, you know, um, so it's this really potent cocktail of vulnerability and power. Super cool. No, no, it's it's amazing. I I just so recommend that if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area and you've ever wanted to try burlesque, the burlesqueexperience.com. Go check it out. It is it is worth every penny and every minute. It's absolutely life changing. Um, I I once heard you say, Lisa, that there are two kinds of women in the world: those who have done the burlesque experience and those who haven't done the burlesque experience yet yes <laughs> yeah yeah that's my joke i guess i want to go global i feel like we're changing the world one strip tease at a time you know right. because when a woman when a woman's in love with herself she becomes unstoppable you know i mean there's nothing that can hold her back you know once and i know for so many of us once we step off that stage we have a new power that we take into our lives yeah. with us you know it doesn't end yep. in four minutes i mean it continues and so I yeah. do think the ripple effects are immeasurable. You know, we go home to our to our families. We go home. We go to our job that Monday. You know, we we go back into our lives different. You know, and uh, I think it's it's healing. It's healing on a global level. And I, I love you. Just had your uh, most senior student bust out at what seventy three. Did yes. <laughs> Two Gun Annie, and it was her 73rd birthday when she busted out, and she was hot. The audience could not get enough of her. I mean, she was such a huge hit. And, you know, it's just so inspiring to see someone celebrating their body and celebrating their sexuality at at, at an age where supposedly, according to, you know, our American culture, uh, we're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be sexy. You know, our sexy days are over. uh, Oh, I love it. She was determined to prove otherwise. <laughs> no, I'm I'm bummed I missed that bust out. I'm hoping that uh, maybe I'll get a chance to see the video someday. Yeah, for sure. Yes, I'll, I'll let her know to share it with you. 
Yeah, it was a great show. It was super fun. Now it makes me uh, see. I'm taking a break from performing for the summer, but I, now I'm ready to get back up. I'm ready to go home. Oh, you need perform. to. You are an amazing performer. You have excellent stage presence. You just, you, you, you've got this art, art of seduction that all of us think you're dancing just for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Every time I get off the stage, I'm like, oh, that was fun. No matter what, I, no mm-hmm. matter what I've performed to. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll get Michael and do some boylesque at some point. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you think, Michael? I don't know if I could do that. I could see my partner doing that. <laughs> I think if, I, if, I, if I, you I, say you can't see yourself I, doing it, it's all the more reason to do it. <laughs> See, I no. See, I pushed my boundaries on being naked uh-huh. at PSG, so I'm uh-huh. good for a while. I'm yeah. very good for right. a while. I can respect that. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I was I was just thinking. I I couldn't remember if you also worked with the boylesque or if that was or if that was something separate. I don't know. I the the uh, the work that I do is women and women identified focused. So, um, but there is a boylesque community in Dallas through the Dallas School of Boylesque, actually. Yeah, I, I know. Right before I moved, uh, I was starting to like get in touch with a lot of people who did the boylesque and the queerlesque. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's a, a uh, really cool scene that's growing here. Yeah, like uh, there's one performer, Rowdy Worry, who. Uh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm friends awesome. with, yeah, yeah, friends with him on Facebook and whatnot, and you know, haven't chatted in a while, but he just like I just saw he just got a job, so he's happy about that mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I was there for Dr. Susan's um, bust out. Oh, were yeah. you really? Cool. Yes, it was, and I actually have a friend that does a lot of work with the burlesque community. Uh, what is her stage name? Darla Danger. Sweet Darla Danger. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. uh, I've not, I've known her since elementary school. Have you really? Yeah, she came through the burlesque experience about five years ago. She was one of our in our first classes. Yeah, she's gone on to do some pretty awesome things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A fabulous um, glitter family here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, right before we go, um, you know, you had said something about a truth or dare club. Does that have anything to do with the book you wrote, uh, Truth or Dare: Wild Adventures for Your uh, sacred sexy soul it it does yeah it is connected the truth of dare club is a, a six-week program that i was running and i'm planning on running it again probably in the fall or or winter i need to get that together because i missed it i miss it so it was so much fun but basically um you know i've always loved the game of truth or dare ever since i was 12 years old and they wouldn't let me play it in middle school and everybody else was playing it and i was sitting there not able to play um, so I've always been really enticed by it. I find it very titillating, and um, what I love about it is that um, that there. It's, I think there's something in all of us where we want to expose ourselves. We want to expose our truth. We want to show what's really going on in there. Um, and we like to be dared, you know, we like to be pushed out of our comfort zones and we find that, you know, I mean, comfort zones are comfy and all, but you know, they're, they're boring, you know, nothing, nothing exciting really happens in a comfort zone. So, um, so I put, I I created this program and also this book on, on the basis of, you know, living your truth, expressing your truth, you know, being your truth in bold, daring ways, you know, going out there in the world, doing things that you think that you can't do or, um, you know, saying things to people that you think you can't say. 
So, you know, in, in one of our sessions, we might, you know, play a game of truth or dare, and then we um, everybody gets a disposable camera, and we go around town taking crazy pictures of of strangers, and then uh, and then we come back and we talk about, okay, so um, this week's homework, go have that, you know, go have that conversation that you've been avoiding with that person. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we all have yeah. one. Um, you know, uh, and you know, so taking that the the game of truth or dare and kind of spinning it on its head and making it a way of life is is what I what I wanted. So the book is a collection of my writings woven together with the game of truth or dare in between each chapter. So there's a truth and a dare for each uh, for each essay. Love and that. Where, and, where and can people where can people find that book? They can grab it off of Amazon if you just go to Amazon Truth or Dare Living. By Lisa Carmen, you'll find it there. Excellent. I'll put a link on our Facebook page. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I I can attest that it is a super fun book. Um, I helped a little bit with the uh, mechanical that's editing right. of it, and then you I won a copy did. of it. <laughs> hey, that's right. You did. This book was, was supposed to be in your life. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yes. your support with that. Absolutely fabulous! Like I, I can't uh, wait to. What are, what are you doing next? What's what's coming well, up in the next oh, six months? In the next six months, we'll be starting a new burlesque experience on September 27th, and that will run through the beginning of November. That's the course that we've been talking about. And then uh, I have a women's retreat, a goddess getaway, coming up at the beginning of October out in Raton, Oklahoma, which is going to be an amazing weekend. And um, I also have, I'm trying to get some dates together for the next round of the Truth or Dare Club, which will probably be held in Richardson, Texas. And uh, we'll get together for six weeks and do some wild and crazy things and then take that daring sense of adventure into our real lives and, and see what we can't make happen in our actual lives outside of the group. So um, I also run a monthly power circle out of my home for women and women-identified people. That is super uh, inspiring and uh, motivating and uh, it's a group coaching situation so if you've wanted to experience the benefits of coaching but maybe want to do it in a, in a group situation it's a fun way to experience that and uh, to be supported in that way so yeah I do wonderful so many cool things I'm so so lucky to get to get to do what I do every day I pinch myself it is absolutely fabulous and it's, it's I'm always so excited to see what you create so Thank you so much for coming and, and chatting you. with us. Like I said, an hour yeah. always goes so fast, but um, we would love for you to come back at I some would love point. that. Thank you so much for having me. It's one of my favorite Absolutely. topics to talk about, so I love the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe we can uh, get Ann Key to come back, and we can geek out about burlesque for an hour. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Folks that want to yeah. keep up with Lisa can go to her website at Sacred Sexy U. That's Sacred Sexy and the letter U. dot com, and she does put out a newsletter. You can follow her on Twitter and on Facebook as well, um, as well as read her blog. So there's always so much going on on the site. Keep an eye out there for upcoming burlesque experience and truth or dare and power circles and who knows what's next. Yeah, um, I have yes. a link the book on our Facebook page, so go get you a copy of that. And after, you know, I've uh, followed you on Twitter now, too, so we can oh, tweet out all the good, good and wonderful I'm, I'm never on Twitter, though. I think I have it automatically <laughs> set up, so it just, like, 
regurgitates what I put on Facebook. I'm so not a Twitter person, but I need to learn. Can I just add one thing? Uh, my my sure. Facebook page for my business is called Lisa Carmen. So that's how people can find me if they want to find me on okay. Facebook. Just look up Lisa Carmen. Excellent, excellent. And there's always good stuff on the page too. So and when you get in uh, to Lisa's community, not only do you have wonderful workshops and uh, sort of wonderful events that she puts on. There's a fabulous, fabulous community of women and, and women-identified people. So it's totally a wonderful way to get into that community. There's some neat overlap with sort of the priestess work I do and with Lisa's community, and then there are folks that kind of come into one through the other. So it's it's fabulous. It's a, a neat way to, especially if you're new to Dallas, to kind of find yes. that community. So I I I can't say thank enough. You. I'm an official member of thank the of the Lisa Carmen Fan Club. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you again. That's so much for coming. That's on. a high honor coming from you, Dr. Oh, Susan. You. <laughs> <laughs> and well, well thank, thank you. you so much. Fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Hello. This is Michael Greywall. <laughs> you were just listening to a classic episode of Walking Podcast. Long podcast of all active love and pleasure. The word I had it, I knew I had it time to fight for the next show, but I just got a message from Maggie the Green that she needed about 10 minutes <laughs> or so before uh, she came down. So, I'm going to turn off the music and let's see. I can I'm, I'm trying to find a long one. It might be a couple of short ones. Oh, actually, it's a first time long. So we shall see. But I hope you enjoyed the show. And Dr. Susan and I will be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode of All Acts of Love and Pleasure. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com, All Acts Love. For the show, or you know, follow our personal pages. Either way, I can't think. Is there anything else to say? Oh, uh, um, the next. Well, I'm going to promote my my next episode of Walking the Unknown Path. It should be, I believe, this weekend. Real quick. Yes, uh, on the 24th at 8 p.m. Uh, and that's sort of walking on the path, and we will be talking about spirit uh, contact or working with spirit guides. So, between our brothers, two of our fellow brothers, she can be on the show talking with me and well, Matthew and myself, and we will have fun for an hour or so <laughs> talking about spirit. But I'm going to go ahead and play uh, Twarfinea, uh Long Black Pearl. I believe that's Maybe? Yeah. I think so. Anyways, I'm going to
good evening. This is Maggie the Green and Daphne Jewel, and you are listening to Petals and Potions. We were just listening to a song by Tuatha Dea. That's one of my favorite Tuatha Dea songs of all time. Um, I really enjoy that one. Um, so, uh, I again, I'm Megan Lyon, or Maggie the Green, and um, I am joined by my lovely daughter, Daphne Jewell. And if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram. I am at Megan Lyon. Daphne Jewell is at Dreads for a Life. And how are you tonight, Daphne? Uh, I'm good. A little scrambled because uh, we weren't able to have our guest on today, which really sucks. I was really looking forward to talking with uh, Katie. I know. Katie is such a doll, and her products are amazing. I absolutely love her products so much. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on this show. But unfortunately, her dog decided to have puppies tonight, so she can't join us. <laughs> so I guess so it all well, kind know, of, you know, it is what it is. But, um, you know, we're still, I would still like to talk a little bit about her stuff. Um, and, yeah, we're scrambling, and we have a couple more things that we're going to throw onto the agenda for, for tonight. And hopefully we can get Katie on um, at a later date. She was really apologetic and was really bummed that she had to miss the show tonight. But um, she's definitely wanting to do the show again at a later date. So Absolutely. It's not like she can't ever come back, you know. And I would absolutely love to actually talk with her you know, as a uh, member of the pagan community. Um, But, yeah, so how are you doing tonight? I am a total mess today, so. (laughs) But that's okay. Um, I ended up having to go to a last-minute meeting right before our show, and then I was, like, rushing to get back. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Right, there's so much going on right now. Um, for instance, summer solstice is tomorrow. So we covered that in our last show, but I just wanted to remind everyone, summer solstice is tomorrow. And um, wh- when I went to my meeting, Daph, I got a new button that I want to um, I want to show you. So, but it's an F Trump button. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah, I I I uh I've seen a couple of those. I think Chris might have one, but I'm not sure. Well, if he does not, let me know cuz I will get him one and you one too if you want. Like I got one for Kevin and he was just tickled. He's like, "I'm wearing it everywhere." <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot, you know, going on right now and how can you how can and I know this is a a pagan radio show, but how can you not be moved by what's going on right now? I mean, it's absolutely horrible and it's horrifying and it just appalls me that our country is in this state. It really does. Right. Right. So, um actually, if for people in the United States, um on June the 30th is a national call to action. So we will be doing um, protests across the country on June the 30th against the separation of families at the border. So if you um, 
are if that's something that you're interested in supporting and by all means I don't know why you wouldn't um look into your local uh local indivisible or your local protest groups or go online to the move on and hook up with um a protest in your community on June the 30th. We will be doing this all across the country on June the 30th. Protest against yes. separation of of families at our borders. Yeah, and and usually I'm the one that tries to to keep focused on the on the pagan stuff on on our show because, you know, this is not this network is not affiliated, right? It's not affiliated with any kind of uh party or anything like that. This is a purely right. pagan radio not, station. Yeah. But but for those yeah. of us that live in the United States, I mean, this is this is severe, this is horrible and you know, they're they're basically holding children away from their families, separating them from their parents, um, parents who come here to seek asylum legally. It's it's legal to do that, and they're just ripping them away right. and putting them in basically child prison. They say intermittent camps, but they're not adults. It's, just, it's, it's, it's horrifying. It's just terrible, and I do not in any way support this, and I just don't think that this is a good Thing, and I don't think that I don't think that um, it's something that we shouldn't really touch up on because it's a it's a this is it's a horrible thing. You know, if if they're not coming, you know, they're not coming for them, then they're going to be coming for everyone else that doesn't conform to the Trump regime. So. Yeah, right. It affects everyone. Don't listen to the regressive propaganda saying that this, these are Obama-era regulations that Trump's enforcing. That's not the case. That is a that is a legitimate, you know, um, gaslighting of of the United States. And um, so, but what what they're doing? They're doing it as a deterrent. That's what they said. That's what they've said. That's what Trump said. He said, we're doing this as a deterrent to keep immigrants out of our country. That's what they're doing it for. Which is hilarious. It's it's actually hilarious because this whole country is founded by immigrants who basically wiped out the indigenous people. Not completely wiped out, I'm sorry, but a lot, yes. And it's funny because the people who are, are, are... coming or seeking asylum they are indigenous people if you know they they are indigenous people it's uh it's just just appalling and uh, i don't want to you know go super super deep into the political stuff but like what's going to happen when suddenly they just start deporting legal immigrants you know what if what if they just start doing that that's a very um scary and chilling thought start killing people? What if they start putting people in camps to kill them? What if people start rounding up all the socialists and the fascists and the uh the the progressives and and the the pagans and, and, and all of this? I mean this this is this is uh this affects everyone. Right. You know, and stuff. So it's not you know yeah, but I don't, I don't want right, to Right, exactly, because this, that's the yeah. issue, is that, you know, even if this isn't an issue that affects you, it is a human rights um, violation, 
and um, you know, you could be next. We could all be next. And definitely those outliers like us who, you know, I'm pretty much um, a progressive uh, social, uh, democratic socialist and, you know, um, all of that stuff. So, you know, and, and I'm a pagan and I'm very outspoken and, um, you know, I'm very involved in politics. So, you know, people like me were, are going to be the first ones targeted, basically, oh, yeah. if this fascism continues in the way that it has been. You know, I'm, I'm hoping at some point there is an impeachment, but I'm just not counting on that. And so that's why it's really important for us to stand up for each other and stand up for our neighbors and to really get each other's backs on issues like this. Because, like I said, even if it doesn't affect you personally, it affects your neighbors, it affects our economy, it affects our, you know, our children, it affects our schools, it affects, you know, our communities in a very real way. You know, yeah, I just can't stand. I mean, seeing Rachel Maddow literally break down and start crying on the news yesterday was just overwhelming for me because, I mean, she's a professional. I've never seen her break down crying on TV before. Yeah, um, the state of our country is uh, good, but... um, yeah, it's it's truly horrible, and um, everyone needs to keep in mind that this affects everyone, no matter no matter who you are, if you live in the United States. So, right, just just uh, so, you know, I figure just keep that in just mind. Segue real quick. <laughs> yeah, I know it's hard to come down. I was trying to come down from it, but yeah. Yeah, I know it's hard to come down from it because you know we just are so passionate about these issues. So. I'm just going to talk a little bit about Katie and her crystal creations, which are amazing. So Katie has, um, I've been friends with her for a really long time and I met her through Kevin, my, you know, my partner and, um, they've been friends even longer than me and her have been friends. And she just is an absolute doll. She has just an adorable family. Um, she's just a very good person. She's very heavily involved in, um, animal rescue, and um, she's really involved with um, different animal groups. And I think she actually works on a farm right now, so she's always posting like these adorable goat pictures. <laughs> really? Um, yes. And um, so her crystal creations is basically her collection of of stones. She's been collecting stones for a really long time just as a hobby, as something that she was drawn to. She's always been drawn to gems and stones and and things like that. So she decided that um, I think she started making like a couple of pieces for people just kind of as gifts and and they're so ridiculously intricately wrapped that people just kept saying, I want one, I want one. I actually have one of her pieces that um, was um, a secondhand antique piece that she had found in, she um, the piece that I have she found in a thrift store out in Idaho, I think. And uh, when I saw the piece, I had to have it because I literally felt like I owned it in my last life. 
It was the strangest thing. So I instantly bought it. And when I bought my piece, which is, it's an eye with eyelashes, but it's all done in, in, in stones. And um, it's a pin. And um, when I got it, when I received it, it came in the most adorable packaging. She had sent, she put a handwritten note in there saying, you know, thank you for buying my work and um it came in like this cute little box and she put some of her own sage that she grew and turned into a smudge so it was like a homemade smudge that she added in with the whole package and everything and she actually does coordinating packages where you can get um a piece a stone but also get like a bath like a coordinating uh herbal bath and then, like, a coordinating something else. Like, I don't, you know, I don't remember what all comes in her sets, but you can actually get a set to where you can coordinate the stone, the bath bomb, or the bath salt, and the herbs, and all of it works together to, you know, create a certain feeling, right? Yeah, to achieve a specific purpose. Right, and so like it's it all coordinated. Cleansing, it can be something like that, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So she has, so you can buy like the very intricately wrapped um, stones, pendants, you know, uh, things like that, or you can get it in a set and get it with like her box. I think she even does like a monthly set if you want to sign up for her monthly set where she'll send out um, a monthly set for you every month I really wanted to try uh, one of her sets before we had the show Um, but I'm not sure exactly what I would want but I I definitely want to get one as soon as I I just don't have the money for it right now but you know I would would love to get one here in the near future maybe um, by the time we can actually have her as a guest on our show I would have it and I can talk about it because, but I will definitely get one. I I'm very excited about it. Awesome, yeah, I I agree. I think um, you should definitely try out the set. Um, and like I said, I, she just goes above and beyond because, um, for one thing, that's just the kind of person that she is. You know, she's just. She's so nice and so sweet and so happy to share her her art basically with people and and she's so um appreciative of people wanting her art that she goes out of her way to make a beautiful presentation and make sure that you know how much she appreciates you buying her art. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe that was just something personally made for you just because you're her friend or if that was just part of the the whole thing in together. Because if it is Right, no, it's the thing really that she actually does really for awesome. everyone. Yeah, she actually does that for everyone. That's that's just her brand. You know, that's her branding. She wants to make sure that you understand how much she appreciates your business. That's really, that's really wonderful. So how would someone get in contact with Katie? Does she have a page? Does she have an Instagram? Does she have a Twitter? I don't know. Right. Okay. So she actually um, is uh, 
I put the link on a, on our Facebook page. So we, if you go to Petals and Potions on Facebook and find us, like us, share us with your friends, and um, you will find the link. I pinned our latest show at the top of our page. So whenever you go to our page, our latest show is going to be the pin at the top. And um, you can click the link to go to Katie's Crystals Creations. You can buy it through her, buy anything. You know, she has pictures. And occasionally she'll do an auction, a live auction on her Facebook page where you can literally watch her Facebook live and bid on stuff. You know, so she'll do like live auctions, like if she just has a lot of stuff that, you know, she's ready to sell you know, clear out. She'll do like a live auction. Um, she also has an Instagram page, which is Katie's Crystal Creations, and that's Katie with a K, but Crystal Creations with C. Um, so you can follow her on Instagram. And I don't think she has Twitter or anything. I think she just does Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Well, that's uh, that sounds really really interesting. Um, I would I would really. Uh, like to see how the auctions go because um, auctions can go, you know, different ways depending on the piece and the the uh, the publicity of the auction and stuff. Because I, I I like to follow right. a lot of a lot of uh, crystal and gem and like gem jewelry uh, pages and stuff on Instagram and on Facebook and stuff kind of. So. Um, but yeah, I would. I I can't wait to to try one of her sets. That's gonna be really fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, yeah, I'll try to see if I can get you hooked up with a set. Um, but yeah, and um, her pieces are very modestly priced. Um, really? You know, I've seen artwork and wire wrapping like she does go for ten times what she's charging you know it's it's really more like a labor of love for her yeah 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 Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a labor of love for her you know it's just something she really loves to do and she loves to share it with people i know um you know tori really likes to do that stuff too i I it sucks that she can't really um like have the time to, to do it just because she's so busy, but um, I really like uh, Tori's art and the jewelry that she's made me. And I think she would be really, really good. I think she could do really well if uh, she was able to, um, you know, focus on it full time, of course. Right. Um, right. And Katie's really been, she's been doing it for a long time. You know what I mean? So yep. she's, she's, she, um, basically just collected so many stones that she was like, I have to do something. (laughs) Because I remember back, you know, like five or six years ago, I think she was organizing her collection and she was like, I I don't even know. I have, I don't know why I have all of these. There are just so many, but she just loves them so much, you know, kind of like Nona. (laughs) Nona and her stones. yeah. 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 So, you know, I think it was she just started making, you know, the pendants and things and the wire wrapping just as gifts. And then that kind of turned into like, well, you know, if people want to buy them, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, that's, that's really yeah. cool. 
Yeah. So, um, so you know, I just maybe- like to support local North Carolina artists. I like to support um, people that I care about and, you know, definitely um, especially small businesses and things like that. I, I think small businesses and local businesses are absolutely one of the best for sure. Like I, I really wish I could have more local businesses that I love uh, feature on here, but, you know, don't want to if they're not like strictly pagan necessarily or if they may have like you know a lot of different customers I can see why some would not really want to associate but I wish I could just showcase because there's a lot of really great little stores around here even in even um in the city that we where we live in Greensboro and Winston-Salem and all and all around us, there's little tiny stores, the little nooks and crannies, and they're full of really interesting things. All of them. Yeah, I think it would just um, sincerely be a matter of reaching out and just saying, "Hey, you know, do you want to do you want to participate? You know, do you want to be on our show? Like, you know." Just because you're on a pagan show doesn't mean you only sell to pagan people. It's just, you know, pagans appreciate your work yeah. as well. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, ret- I'd much rather um, showcase the, the locally made and locally grown stuff here than, you know, corporation world. Right, right, definitely. Um. So I think this is a good transition. I'm going to play something else by Tuatha because they really got me in the mood for some Tuatha Dea. So um, are you I good with that? Tawatha. Yeah. I do. I'm looking for my, my favorite. My favorite is, um, see, they they played Long Black Curl. I'm pretty sure that was the song that yeah. I was playing. Yeah. Long Black Don't Curl. That will, yeah, that's the one. Okay, so I'm going to play, um, darn it, they don't have my other favorite, but uh, let's play Hum in a Shiver because oh, that's so good. Oh, that one's so good. good. I like that one. Yeah. That's a really good one. All right, this is Tuatha Dea, Hum and a Shiver.
And we're back, and this is Maggie the Green with Daphne Jewel, and you are just listening to Tawatha Dea, Humming a Shiver. I love that song so much. I love that whole CD. I remember when I first got um, a, a Tawatha CD, uh, I think from Pam, maybe? Uh, back in 2013 or 2014 or something like that, and or somebody gave it to me. It might have been Nona. I don't know. Or Nona Gaffer. I don't know. So I just, I loved it, especially because I specifically uh, play the violin, and I wanted to join them so bad when I was 18. <laughs> right. Yes, they have said um, on more than one occasion, anytime you would like to come and play violin with them, just let them know, and they'll get you the music ahead of time. I might have to take them up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, they are just wonderful people, though. They really are just lovely people. They are so nice. They are definitely Appalachian Mountain people, and they just have great hearts. They make amazing I love music. Yeah. Yes, I love their vibe. I definitely love their vibe. So, um... What you got on your agenda for tonight? You got anything um, you want to? Yeah, I was going to talk a little bit about just what because I got an app that um, helps me keep track of the phases of the moon, and I really uh, like to the keep app? track of what the app. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just like a generic free phases of the moon app. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's lots of different ones. Um, I usually. I usually have one downloaded, but I I haven't downloaded one on on my phone. It's kind of newish, so. But yeah, I I like to keep track of the phases of the moon and what all's going on. When is it going to be full? When is it going to be a new moon? Don't know what's going on. I'm busy, you know. So I like to have an app available. But I, I yeah. So I just got a generic free uh, phase of the moon app, and right now. We are in the first quarter, and we are mm-hmm. waxing, which means we are going to the full moon. We are it's getting fuller and fuller till we get till we get the full moon, and those and the moon will be at least where we are, where we are specifically on the east coast. Um, the moon will be full, one hundred percent, one hundred percent full on June twenty eighth. That's when awesome. going to be one hundred percent full. Eight days from now will be the full moon. And why do you think why why is the full moon important to you? Um, I, I mean, the just full moon. Like what? Like what? What are you saying? Um, just like as as a um, as a pagan, as a woman, you know what 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 is it about the full moon that calls to you? Um. Well, I have always had an extra strong strong connection to the moon in particular because uh i mean it's always called to me before i even knew what astrology signs were i would always be outside with playing in the dark or you know with nona and howling at the moon because we were crazy <laughs> uh yeah, when I was little. before I, yeah before i knew what 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 zodiac sign i was but 
I am actually a cancer, so uh, I my sign is actually ruled by the moon. So I'm right, exactly. I'm extra super connected to the moon because I don't know. I just and what, it seems like whenever I don't keep track of what's going on in the moon and the phases and what phase we're in right now, seems like whenever I don't keep track of it, it affects me more than if I am aware of what's going on. So, right, um, right. And, and so, pages, not only... you know... go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, what I was going to well, say is, I... so not only are we going into the summer solstice tomorrow, we're also going into yeah. the <clears throat> the sign of Cancer, and then right after that, we're going to have a full moon. So it's just like this should be a fantastic week for you, really. This next week, as you build up to the full moon, like. You are in your element right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it should be. I should be. That would be great. I would love to have a wonderful week next <laughs> week. That would be fantastic. Um, and, yeah, my birthday is coming up pretty soon. Don't tell them when my birthday is. But, yeah, pretty soon. Oh, well. It's going to be my birthday. It's gonna be your birthday. Yes, you're gonna have a birthday. It's coming up soon, but you are a Cancer. So yeah, we're working. We're you know transitioning into Cancer along with summer here in the next day and day and two days. Yeah, and you know as a I think as a pagan, you know I, I I'm not gonna say everyone, but a lot of people have heard of the. You know, the, the triple goddess, triple moon, you know, the maiden, the mother, the crone, and the symbolism behind all that, and, you know, all that stuff. You know, I know a lot of pagans that um, are really into moon magic and, you know, the, the maiden, specifically also the maiden, mother, crone, moon magic stuff. You know right, I mean? so it's... Yeah, it's the three phases of womanhood, basically. So you have the maiden, which is the young woman, and then she transitions into the moon, and then she transitions into the goddess. I mean, the um, the crone. The, the crone, yeah. Yeah, it's just, which is no, the wise woman. That, yeah, that, um, that stuff. Which actually I've tattooed on my body, uh, but <laughs> so right. yeah, I, I like the moon a lot. I like to stare at the moon. I just like the moon. Right. Yeah. So what does the what does the moon mean for you, mom? Well, you know, it's pretty similar. Um, I definitely do feel energetic changes and different, you know, aspects of the moon. You know, when, when it's waning, when it's waxing, I definitely feel energetic changes at that point. Um, you know, I, I am a goddess worshiper, so I um, definitely connect that with the moon and the moon cycles. Also, like the moon is a 28-day cycle, which I feel corresponds to, like, my menstrual cycle and, you know, those kind of womanly cycles and, and things like that. So... Yeah, I definitely connect with the different cycles of the moon. I feel like it helps me kind of, you know, know where I'm at and where where I'm going energetically by paying attention and being, you know, 
in sync with the moon cycle. Well, you're like, in sync. you're like the ocean a lot. Right, which is definitely um, ruled by lunar tides and things like that. So to me, it's like uh, a diff- it's another manifestation of the goddess, the ocean, you know, like the water yeah. and the tides and the way that the moon pulls the tides. So I feel yeah. fine. I feel the best when I'm at the ocean and I can feel the waves and see the waves and um, I feel more at peace near the ocean than I do anywhere else. Absolutely, and you've always been that way. You've always really kind of had an affinity for the ocean in particular. Right, right, and it's very interesting because, like, my grandfather was in the Navy, so... Um, and he was a sailor, and he was also in love with the ocean, and he had a sailboat. He lived on the coast of um, the Gulf of Mexico down in Texas. So I grew up going sailing with him every summer on the Gulf of Mexico, and I was one of the few people um, that would have no qualms about jumping into the middle of the ocean, you know, where you could see no land anywhere, and I would have no problem just jumping off the boat into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard some really uh, about some really beautiful things you saw in the ocean. In the sailboat. Right. Yeah, like the um, the glow in the dark fish, jellyfish that you can see down in the Gulf yeah. of Mexico in the summertime at night. Yeah, you know, my grandfather would take me out you know, in his sailboat, and one time he took me out, just he and I, we went out on the sailboat, and we looked at the fish, and you could see no land anywhere, and um, just these little glowing blobs in the water, and it was like magic. At that age, I I thought it was almost magical that he knew about these, you know, creatures, and, (laughs) you know, so he, I think it runs in our family, that affinity to the ocean, I agree. It, it probably, I'm sure it does, you know. Um, even here, we're still, we're basically halfway between the ocean and halfway between the mountains. Right, but I feel the call of the ocean much more often much more often than I feel the call of the mountains. I just, I always have. <laughs> but, not to, but not to say that I don't enjoy the mountains. The mountains are beautiful, especially here where we live. The Appalachian Mountains are amazing they are um some of the most beautiful parks state parks that you'll ever see i mean they are just remarkable and just full of life and just so amazing so yeah i think we live and we're really blessed to live where we live as far as nature is concerned just you know yeah. we just want to keep it okay. <laughs> as far as nature is concerned it's really beautiful the nature uh the people But out of all the places I've ever been, I definitely think that that's that's one of the reasons why I'm still in North Carolina, because despite some of the most horrible people here, um, it's still one of the most beautiful states I have seen, and I've seen a lot of states 
one of the um, I agree. I agree. We have traveled all over the United States, and North Carolina is by far one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, you know, and just the diversity of nature here is just remarkable. I really wish we could we could go to the beach. I, I miss going to the beach. Um, I haven't been to the beach but the uh, on the ocean since last year. I really want to go. Yes. Well, you know, let's manifest it. Okay, so, like, let's just put it out into the ocean. We are going to go to the beach for an extended stay this summer, so might it be thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless the bee. <laughs> yeah, that would be really, really yeah. nice. Um, so that would be nice. I, I thought you, yeah, I, I thought you uh, wanted to talk about some gardening stuff that you've been doing lately, or at all, or in general. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, I have this book. It's called Lasagna Gardening by um, I think it's Elaine Sears, and that's um, E L A Y N E. Sears, S-E-A-R-S. And so lasagna gardening is legitimately my favorite way to garden because it's so easy, so simple, and um, it's really it's really good for urban gardening, like for gardening in your front yard when you can't necessarily dig down because you have um, cables and, and power cords and um, plumbing running through your yard, right? So uh, lasagna gardening is really cool because it's a layering method where you just layer on top of the grass. You layer your um, yard yard waste on top of the grass, and you make little beds, and you know you just grow it and grow it and grow it, and it really um, makes really fantastic, lovely soil, and it's just a really great method. So I wanted to talk about this new gardening channel that I'm following on YouTube because I have this really great idea that I that I got from this gardening channel that I'm going to be doing here in the next two weeks. Really? <laughs> yes. So I'm following the gardening channel with James Prigioni, and I think that's how you say it, and forgive me if I'm butchering his name, but it's James Prigioni, P-R-I-G-I-O-N-I. And this dude is, has gone beyond lasagna gardening to the max. He has literally... Oh, okay, so he has literally mulched his entire yard and created in five years he has created this amazing um permaculture food forest and one um, of the issues how, i've had how do you do that? okay so one of the issues that i have with my garden is that i'm always having to cut the grass around my beds and stuff and it's just so time consuming and i hate grass so much it's so pointless so right and I always feel like I don't have enough time to spend on my garden and all my plants that are growing because I'm constantly having to keep up the yard, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that and that's kind of why this guy started doing this. So what he did was he just mulched everything. He put down 
so with lasagna gardening, you'll put down like um, construction paper or cardboard or something like that on top of the grass, and then you layer with like um, mulch and leaf mulch and uh, food scraps, and you just layer those things, and then you cover it with dirt, and then you cook it. So that's how you do lasagna gardening. But this guy went a step further and just literally covered everything with mulch. And so that way the mulch, as it decomposes, it fuels the soil. It feeds the soil. And he just plants a plant. He'll just dig down past the mulch into the soil. And you can tell, like, because the mulch um, retains the water so much better and it retains the nutrients in the soil... His soil is just black. It's just amazing, really? full of yeah. And um, so he'll just dig down past the uh, mulch and plant a plant, and then it'll grow from there. And he does. Um, I think he said he does like seventy percent perennials and thirty percent annuals. So he does mostly um, trees and bushes. You know, annual. I mean, perennials that come back year after year. But in the meantime, while those things are growing and getting bigger and getting big enough to bear fruit, he's also doing annuals. So he's also doing like squash and zucchini and and tomatoes and things like that. And he has had, I have watched all of his videos almost, like too many of his videos really. <laughs> and he has had the most amazing success in five years. It is just crazy how wonderful his garden is at this point. And he's an urban gardener. You know, he lives in a city in New Jersey, and um, he lives in a city in New Jersey, and he just has a yard just like everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he has a yard like this, the same size as like our yard. So I just wanted to, like, number one, tell people to go read the book Lasagna Gardening and watch the Gardening Channel with James Prigioni, if you're looking for good ideas on how to grow things in your garden in a permaculture way, in a sustainable, ecologically friendly way. Well, uh, what do you have planned to do for your garden soon? What are you going to be planting? Well, okay, so... I'm getting ready to plant some passion flowers, and I have some other stuff that I'm planting. I got some squashes coming up, but I'm about to, I'm gonna go get mulch, and I'm gonna start with mulching the whole front yard, and start the with that and see yard? how that goes, huh? The whole front yard, even yeah, yeah. The, oh, all the grass. Even the, I'm gonna the mulch. Clover? Well, no, because like we have that clover patch on the side. We don't have a lot of clover in the front. Well, it's, it's mostly grass. grass. It's not, it's not just grass. Well, I know, but it's too. It's a lot to keep up. You know what I mean? It is a lot to keep up. That's true, yeah. And I'm not going to keep it up, so. <laughs> right. Right, and then what happens is then the grass gets in my beds, and then I have to, like, constantly weed my beds because my, the grass is always in my beds. Yeah, grass. Grows. And I would I rather be why. able to, like, focus more on growing stuff instead of, like, 
always cutting grass. Yeah, or grass sucks. I really don't. I don't know why people just plant grass in their yards. Grass is like the most useless thing ever. I don't, I don't know why people. I just I don't. I don't know why that became the standard. Some grass. Grass is just so right because they took away our access to food. They wanted to control our food. That's that's really what that was all about. Grow grass. Be like the Joneses. You know, buy your food at a grocery store. That means you've made it. I mean, culturally, that's really what happened with that. Yeah, but so you so you read the book Lasagna Garden Gardening, and you also followed James. What's her name? James Prigioni. Prigioni. I don't Prigioni on YouTube. On YouTube. I don't know if it's Prigioni or Prigioni or what. I think it's a, Is he the a one hard that wrote G that? because it's followed by an I. I think it's a hard G because it's followed by an I maybe, or maybe it's a soft G. I don't know I don't. if it's James Prigioni or Prigioni. The way he says it is so fast that I can't really tell. So, yeah. So, uh, cool. That's Follow really him. Cool. Can I talk about... It. What? I was going to say you spell it P-R-I-G-I-O-N-I, The Gardening Channel with James Prigioni. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, if anybody's interested in some, some being able to do some gardening in some urban areas or even just gardening in general, you know, that would be a good, I'm sure that would be a really good place to start for sure. So I kind of wanted to talk about a book too a little bit. Okay, yeah, definitely. What book um, are you reading? I'm reading a lot of books, but there's one book in particular that I'm just going to touch on that really has literally nothing to do with gardening or anything. <laughs> but hey, you're uh, fine. I really wanted okay. to. I really, I really wanted to touch on it just because I really, really like it, and I'm not done with the book yet, but I will be done with it soon. And it's called. Healing Conversations, What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say. And it's written by Nance Gilmartin. It's N-A-N-C-E-G-U-I-L-M-A-R-T-I-N, Gilmartin, I guess. Nance Gilmartin, uh-huh. she, uh, she's a famous person or something. But this uh-huh. book in particular I've, I've been reading, and it's been helping me a lot. And it's, I wish I could just like quote this book on so many occasions because this book is really, really wonderful. It really helps you be in the moment and think about what other people are saying and also how to respond without just listening to respond. You know what I mean? How to actively engage someone you know because there's so many times when people ask how are you and right but it's just a pastime, or it's like a greeting or whatever it's like you know it's in in this society you know or or if like you're going into a, a, a store and somebody's like how are you or they just reach you at the door like welcome you know stuff like that people uh-huh. people rarely want to know how you're actually doing and if you do respond 
with how you're actually doing. Um, usually people are taken aback just because the words how are you have just been used so much. In, in, yeah. And this book, I'm not done with it yet, but it's it's really, really nice. And I, it, it has a lot of different conversations going on and a lot of a lot of, you know, things to think about and what to say when you don't know what to say. So, yeah, healing conversations. I rented it from, or I got it from the library. So uh, you can't, if you if you go to the library um, here, uh, I have it. So, uh, but if uh, right. anybody would like to, like to maybe check it out or, I don't know, uh, talk about it. If not, I'm just going to continue reading and learning from it because it's a really, really nice book, and I like it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, Cool. So what I did was I pasted a link to the book on Amazon on the post. So if anybody needs to go and look at what book we're talking about, it's right there on our post for the episode. Because um, I know that people were talking, you know, about – uh, posting some more links to the things that we're talking about. So I just went ahead and did that. Okay, yeah, that's really cool. And did you post the uh, the gardening links too? Yep, I posted a link for the YouTube gardening channel and um, the link for the – I'm doing it right now – and the link for the um, – well, the link for the lasagna gardening book, I actually linked to Mother Earth News because, number one, I adore Mother Earth News, and I get their magazine every month, and um, it's just great to read. Uh, but they had a little section about the lasagna gardening, which I thought was really cool. So I actually posted um, the link to the lasagna gardening article in Mother Earth News. Oh, that sounds really cool. All right. So that's just a little bit about what we're talking about tonight, healing conversations, what to say when you don't know what to say. And I think that's really helpful, especially if you're empathic and, um, you know, you're one of those people that people tend to um, vent to or kind of just put, you know, you know how it is to be an empath. A lot of people want to tell you, their feelings and how they feel and you know they just instinctively want to unload on you so that could kind of be helpful if you're an empath and you know you're not really sure how to handle other people's you know pain or issues right right because you know a lot of people don't really know how to handle or how to ask about someone or when they're dealing with really really horrible issues you know somebody has cancer or somebody dies or if, if um, yeah like I, I I was looking in your book and it was talking about a situation where someone had um, a miscarriage and they didn't know how to comfort their friend you know uh, you have some people who just are dismissive and then you have other people who are like I want to give you some I want to help you solve your problem. Well, it's like I don't have need you to solve my problem. I need you to just like listen to me. Just listen to me for a minute, you know. Yes, and I think that's 
really, really important. And uh, these things are not taught in school, and at least here, and they should be. How to properly or how to communicate well, to communicate with other people well. I think it's uh, very important. I agree. I think it's very important as well. So, yeah, that's uh, all I really got for today, for tonight. Right, and um, it's about 92 degrees in the living room right now, so I'm about exhausted now. (laughs) So we're going to get out of here. I know it's a little early, but, um, you know, we're done for today. So yeah. do you have any, any songs in mind or should I should I go with the uh Tuatha Dea theme for today and choose another Tuatha Dea song? That's totally up to you. I mean you're the you're the music manager right now, so whatever yeah, just, you feel like's right to lead us out. Yeah, I'm the studio manager. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think, I'm, I think what I would like to do is end with um, Green from the Green album, which, if you don't know the Green album, it is a collaborative pagan album that was created as a charity for Rainforest Rescue. So if you haven't gotten the the Green album yet, please run out and get it immediately. Look for it on Amazon. Um, that's probably going to be your best bet. So, um, actually, I'll go ahead and put a link to the Green Album on our page <laughs> as well. Just like um, everything ever. Oh, yeah, and do the yeah. tags as well of what we're talking about. I know. I that forgot would be the, cool. I'm sorry. I was, like, running super late because I had to run to that meeting right before, so I didn't get the tags yeah. done. Um and we don't know what but we have planned for next time because um, our next show actually falls on July the 4th. So we may be doing a – we haven't decided yet if we are going to do a replay of an old episode or if we're going to record our episode beforehand or we we are not exactly sure what we're going to do yet. So, but there will be a show playing on July the 4th. Just know that it may or may not be live. More than likely, it's not going to be live because it's July the 4th. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, without further ado, here yeah, is Tuatha Green from the Green Album.
to Pagans Tonight. Pagans Unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight. 